The scripture text for this Christmas Eve service is Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. Let us take a moment to hear God's word to us tonight. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us. A son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The perfect Christmas. Maybe you have a picture in your mind of what that looks like, certain smells, certain people, certain weather. For those who have lived in the north, a perfect Christmas has snow. For us southerners, a casual long-sleeved shirt will do. The whole family is in town on the perfect Christmas. Nobody's missing. The houses dazzle white lights for the classy folk and multicolored, well, for the kids, of course. Homes are filled with cheery conversations. A perfect Christmas is when the kitchen smells of gingerbread and cinnamon and nutmeg. Everyone instinctively knows to wear gold or green or red. For the first time all year, families' outfits coordinate together without mom having to force the sisters to dress alike. The camera comes out and memories are etched into the photo album. The tree suddenly takes on a magical charm, shining brighter than any other night. And in the event that the tree is artificial, I can't figure out why it ever would be, but in the event that it is, the candle that smells of evergreen has been burning all day. On the perfect Christmas, cheeks are rosier and smiles are wider, and the words to O Holy Night just strum off our lips. We like the image of the perfect Christmas. That's why we like this image that comes to us from the book of Isaiah, the image of a child born for us, a child who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This passage gives us warm, fuzzy feelings about the coming Messiah. It fills us with the image of the idyllic Christmas. A tiny baby boy born in a manger, placed on a bed of hay, a star shining brightly above the stable, a baby boy born to save the world. This image is so idyllic that we place it on every coffee table and fireplace in our homes, and we call it the nativity. 
This image from Isaiah paints the idyllic scene of the Christmas story. But what's so strange about this idyllic Christmas passage is the very non-idyllic situation that the Israelites in this passage are actually in. Isaiah is speaking to the Israelites and telling them that the nation that they are in will be destroyed. Isaiah is warning the Israelites of the coming destruction and judgment. He is describing this coming darkness. The Israelites will be defeated by their enemies. They will be captured and sent into exile. And they will live in darkness, alone and defeated. But it's in the middle of this warning that Isaiah gives the Israelites a glimmer of hope. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, a Savior is promised in the darkness. You see, God did not forget or abandon the Israelites. He remembered them. That is what Christmas proclaims, that God remembers you. He has not left you in the darkness, but has sent a Savior to be light in it. On this silent and holy night, we remember the moments of darkness throughout the year that took away our words because we didn't know what to say. I'm talking about the silence created by lab reports that announce a terrible disease. It is a silence that follows finding a note on the dresser that says, I'm leaving. It is the silence of nursing homes at night, the silence that emerges when small children have dangerously high fevers. The silence that grips you when your grown children don't become everything you thought they would. It is a silence that fills the car on the drive home after taking your child to college. Or the silence that fills the heart when you find the Christmas stocking of a spouse, a mother, a father who has recently died. We bring our dark moments and we wait to see if God has a word to fill the silence. But the word of God cannot just be spoken. It has to become flesh and dwell among us as it did on a silent night long ago. God's word has to become light in the darkness. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Unfortunately, in our desire to preserve the idyllic Christmas, we edit out the darkness. We edit out the silent moments of this past year. It's all about the lights, the jingle bells, the merry conversations, and the candles burning. The problem is that the child that was born for us was born in the darkness. On that silent night many years ago, Mary and Joseph and the soon-to-be Jesus had been edited out. No one would open their home to them. No one even saw them. What they didn't realize was that the Savior was being born in the darkness. Angus is a put-together man. He owns three of the exact same suit, a suit that he will wear to casually lounge on the beach. He gets an oil change at exactly 3,000 miles, and Angus is an elder, a leader in his home church, a small country church in Minnesota. Angus walks into a meeting and briskly explains that he now has a new grandson. Oh, congratulations, the pastor begins. I wish I wasn't aware there was a new grandbaby. His name? 
Angus Larry, just like his grandfather. Elder Angus continues, Pastor, I was hoping that you could do the baby the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And by do the baby, he was in fact referring to the sacrament of baptism. It was up to the session to vote on whether or not they would baptize baby Angus in this church the Sunday after Thanksgiving, which was also the first Sunday in Advent. Baby Angus and his parents didn't live in town, but instead lived on the other side of the country. But they were in town for the Thanksgiving break and wanted their child baptized in their home church. Elder Angus was a pillar in this congregation. So when it came time for the session to vote, they voted unanimously in the affirmative. Sure enough, the family came into town on Thanksgiving, baby Angus in tow. During any baptism, this church had a particular tradition. Before the baptism began, the pastor would ask, who stands with this child? At that time, all extended family would stand in support of the one being baptized. The family was briefed quickly on this church tradition, and the baptism began. When this question was asked, several pews of family stood right on cue. This was the perfect picture of a baptism. Two loving parents, a supportive family, the first Sunday in Advent, a beautiful baby who didn't cry or wiggle or scream. It was the perfect baptism for baby Angus. The service now over, the pastor ran back into the sanctuary to grab his stuff in order to go home for Sunday lunch. When he did, he noticed a woman still sitting on one of the pews in the sanctuary. It was Mildred. Most people don't even sit that quietly in the service. What was this woman still doing here? He approached her and asked if he could do anything to help. Clearly, she had been deep in thought because she looked up at him and said, You know, I have a daughter. And she just had a baby. The baby should be baptized, right? The pastor jumped straight to matters of policy and began to explain that the daughter and her husband would need to come by the office and talk through the significance of baptism. Then the session elders would have to vote. The woman cut him off and quickly pointed out that her daughter was 18 and there was no father in the picture. Several weeks later, the elders gathered together again to decide on the baptism of this child. The 18-year-old mother was a member in the church. She still was active there. There's no father in the picture, someone retorted. Is she actually committed to raising that child and raising him in the church? Question after question after question came up as the elders considered whether or not to baptize this child. In the end, they voted yes. After all, the real problem was the picture of the baptism that they all had in their heads. Tina, the mom, 18, with pimples on her chin, Jimmy in her arms, and the father long fled to North Carolina, and Mildred, the only one who would stand when the question was asked, who stands with this child? It hurt to think of. This was the wrong picture. The Sunday before Christmas, Tina walked forward with baby Jimmy in her arms. Down the aisle she came, nervously, walking briskly, shaking slightly. The scene hurt all right, every bit as much as they thought it would. Who stands with this child? The pastor asked. Mildred, 
the only extended family, stood up. As she stood, the congregation sat in an uncomfortable silence, the darkness of this family situation on display for all to see. As the pastor looked down at his notes to move on with the rest of the service, he heard a rustling in the seats. And then he heard someone stand up. His eyes darted and scanned the crowd only to see Elder Angus standing. And then Angus's wife. And then a couple other elders stood up. And then the sixth grade Sunday school teacher. Tina began to cry. Mildred held onto the pew in front of her as though she were standing on the deck of a ship rolling in the wind. At first, this departure from the routine disquieted the whole church, but then a hush fell over the congregation. We bring our dark moments and wait to see if God has a word to fill the silence. But the word God has cannot just be spoken. It has to become flesh and dwell among us. That's what happened to this country church in Minnesota. The word of God became flesh. Before the baptism, the elders were concerned about having the idyllic baptism. The right look, two parents, the right status in church. So they almost edited out this 18-year-old girl and her baby boy. So young this mother was, and so alone. One cannot help but remember another baby boy born long ago to a young and unwed mother in difficult circumstances. There is nothing idyllic about a nation being destroyed and defeated by its enemies. There is nothing idyllic about being turned away from every home and inn in Bethlehem. There is nothing idyllic about a young teenage mother with a child and no father in the picture. But... By editing out the non-idyllic, we edit out the places that need the good news. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. We no longer need to edit out the darkness. For unto us a child is born. All of the hunger, the loneliness, the single mothers, the outcasts, the bankruptcies, the lost loved ones, the moments of darkness and the moments of unwanted silences that make up the non-idyllic Christmases that we have are not to be edited out. Because as people of God, we are not after the idyllic Christmas. We are after hearing and proclaiming the good news, the good news that changes the darkness into light. The ideal Christmas is, after all, the Christmas where we can see God's light clothed in flesh, God's light clothed in the flesh of a baby boy born on a silent night long ago. The question we must answer is who stands with this Christ child. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Let us pray. 
holy God who came to us as a baby. Sometimes all we can do is stand back and wonder at the child who was born in a manger. All we can do is stand back and be amazed at the salvation that came to us because of your son whom you love. That little baby boy became a light to a nation that so desperately needs it. Holy God, we need your light. Shine it brightly through us. Cast your light so that all may see your glory. Might we haste to bring you honor. Might we rejoice in the birth of the Christ child. Might we carry your light within our souls. As the light of your word penetrates our hearts, as we are reminded of the gift of life and faith, as the glories of the heavenly host are echoed in our church, we open ourselves up to your spirit and give you thanks. In the name of Christ, the baby who was born in a manger, we pray.